Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's Agenda of Man Aside, <laughs> on this week's agenda, the election, guess what? It's happening so soon. We have some international news about what's happening with women in Japan and Iceland, men and uh, the birth control study that they dropped out of, plus not just the presidential election, but we talked to Deirdre Schiefling of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund about what's happening in the States. Hey, hey, girl. Hey, how's it going? Good. I feel like I don't know. This is our first long distance recording in a little while, right? It's, it's you're been very like far a away. Minute. It's been I know. We're always in the same room. Well, you know, it should be said on the podcast that we are once again a classic long distance relationship. By coastal, by coastal, because I live in New York City now. Uh-huh. which makes me I mean okay it makes me sad that you are far away but it makes me happy because I know that you do really well in New York I'm so happy also I got that second bedroom so you always got a place to oh, see oh burying the lead <laughs> <laughs> also I love how you said New York City like a tourist <laughs> I think that's cute. I feel like New York City is like very respectful to the rest of New York because it's like, you know, like, let's be specific here. <laughs> if I'm real, though, I live in Brooklyn. What's up? I know. So, it's true. It's a true testament to how much I love the East Coast that it's like getting cold and dark earlier and I still haven't despaired yet. I'm going to stop this right now before we talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weather is important to me. It is. But like, I'm like stress picking at my thumbs due to the election. They are in a state. Oh, no. I am like, Don't do it. Don't do it. I know. We I'm, have we have what? Like six more sleeps until election day? Five more sleeps? By the time people listen to this, like, yeah, like five sleeps max, depending on how much sleep you get. <laughs> yeah. Five sleeps, four showers till election day. We got this. <laughs> Again, depending on your shower regimen. You know, some of us work from home and don't exercise often and we're on more like an every other, every third day yeah. routine. You know who seems like they're losing their mind at the election is, uh, who? what's that guy? The 538 guy, Nate Silver. <laughs> Nate Silver. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I will refresh that website and within 15 seconds, it'll have Hillary like 90% winning and then it'll be like 68 bars. <laughs> and it's like the thing is all over the map. And the other day I just made a resolution to stop checking it because I was like, this is actually contributing to a lot of my stress. Here's the thing. I believe polling is a dark art. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like analyzing statistics is not a dark art, but like polling itself, which is what the analysis is based on, is a total dark art. Oh, yeah, no, it's like garbage. The thing where like I was getting really stressed out, I was checking the thing all the time. And I was like, you know what? Every time that I am stressed out about the election or the results, I'm just going to do like an action for it. <laughs> Yes, that's such a good idea. Yeah, so I've been like doing phone calls, which if you go to HillaryClinton.com, it's the easiest thing in the world to set up. And then um, and then I'm heading to Pennsylvania to get out the vote. And that's going to be super fun. I was like, oh, I forget how much I like love knocking on doors and doing all of that dorky stuff. That's how I'm channeling my (laughs) anxiety about the election. And I'm super pumped about it. 
I was so frustrated because, as you know, I am from a pretty swingy state, the great state of Iowa, which is not so great right now because it's looking pretty Trumpy. You know, you can select when you log in on Hillary's website to like phone bank or make a few calls. You can pick which state you want to target. And I was like, okay, I got this. I'm going to call all the Iowa grannies and be like, hello, what are you doing? What are you doing for like the, (laughs) you know, young, young women coming up behind you? And it wasn't an option. I had to go Ohio. That's crazy. What else is happening? I don't know. I mean, lots of election news and lots of election air quote news. That's what's happening. Both real news and like news that shouldn't be news, but everyone's in a frenzy. So it's news. That's what's going on. Yeah. Lots of election news from everywhere. I mean, our girl Huma. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) I can't even like, can you imagine? I mean, okay. We were texting about this when lots of emails on Mr. X Huma's laptop news broke. And I was just like, you know, I mean, it's hard not to feel a little frustrated. And I believe you said something to the effect of she only made one mistake ever, but it was a big one. <laughs> it was a big one. It's, she, she. Listen, people had a lot of issues with the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, friend of the podcast, <laughs> Sheryl Sandberg. <laughs> and I will say this. First of all, that book is amazing because it's rooted in data. But like one of the things, you know, Sheryl says in the book, it's like, one of the most important decisions that you can make as a woman who (laughs) wants to get married is who you marry. This election season has really like, you know, that has, that has come to be very true. Um, I made a list on my phone of all of the women in politics. I could remember that had been dragged down by their husband since. Oh my God. How long was it? Was it so long? Please. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Number one, numero uno. Huma Abedin, Geraldine Ferraro, Judge Janine Pirro, Debbie Stabenow, Diane Feinstein, kind of. It's like her husband Wait, has done some like shady stuff. He's just kind of like low level, constant shady, right? Not like one yeah. big scandal. Eleanor okay. Holmes Norton, the husband and tax evasion. That's weird. And they had like one non-American on the list, Benazir Bhutto. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was Lolio. But yeah, it's just like all of these women who like can't live because they like married some shady person. Here's a question for you. Do you think that it's like women who have political ambitions or who are interested in doing politics for a career have exceptionally bad choice in men? Or is it just that like statistically odds are if you're if you're a woman who like partners yourself with a man, you're just taking on a huge risk? Yo, yeah, men are trash. That's the that's the control. That's the your answer is the latter. Like this could happen to any of us. The only difference is we're not in politics. It, this could happen to any of us. Here's what I think about why some of these women make these choices. And this is completely not founded on any kind of data, just my own hunch. And uh, <laughs> I love hunch-based <laughs> research. Listen, we don't do facts on this podcast. Get it together. I know we do a last-minute Google. It's like something that I have noticed anecdotally in my own friend group, but also like with some of these powerful women. They're all like fairly intimidating women to people who are just regular humans. When some dude is like into them, they're like, "Oh, this is one guy that's not intimidated by me." But it turns out that like that person can be a crazy person. 
Which is true. It's like one of the very earliest Hillary quotes about Bill is that she was like, he was like a man who wasn't afraid of me. Yo, let me hit you with the two by four effects about that situation. Did you watch that PBS documentary? That's like the the choice about like Hillary I did, Trump yeah. or whatever. So anyway, and the Hillary parts, and I think this is like in her biography also. I'm going to have to go back. I was so surprised that I had never picked up on this, but like the way that the chronology worked in at least the PBS documentary, I will actually go back and like do some like book research to see if this is true, because if it's not, it's like kind of misleading. She was working in DC for the what the Watergate commission or whatever. And then she was like going to pass the bar after that, but she fails the bar, which was like a huge, um, and I knew that part, right. But it's like such a defining kind of moment for her where it was like, she was first in her class and everybody thought she was going to be president and blah, 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 blah. But she like doesn't pass the bar. So it's like a huge moment of personal disappointment. And it's literally in the wake of that, that she like decided to pick up her life and move back to Arkansas because like this guy liked her there. Mm. And I was like, damn, like what? <laughs> and I had the never alternate realized future that in which the, Hillary got into law school. Yeah. I had never like, realized that that's how the chronology or worked. passed the bar. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. She like didn't pass the bar. So she was like, well, the next best thing is this guy still has a crush on me. And it's kind of amazing because the woman who's like her best friend, who was also her landlord in DC, like they had gone to school together and they were like besties. She drove her down to Arkansas and she says how like sad she was that they were leaving her in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, can't you see this? Like in your own personal context of like, Oh, here is my smartest friend. And I just drove her through like cow town here's the thing the the boyfriend and that was the arkansas part doesn't bother me it's like that she's going somewhere she would never be except for like a dude's ambition no of course but it's the arkansas thing and i think the reason that she said that is because they are both like very like urban like metropolitan people and then now it's like what (laughs) i'm dropping you in the middle of nowhere and now it's like for a dude you know like obviously this fits very neatly into my own like <laughs> what I want to believe about this. So I will actually go back and double check. But that's the way that they set it up in the documentary. And I was like, whoa, like things I didn't know. It's funny because like you just kind of assume that when you know a couple publicly or like, you know, the image they project. Oh, yeah. Like, of course, like they sort of jointly decided that this is what they were going to do. And this is where they were going to move after law school because I knew that they had met in law school. That part of like, no, no, he was like, I'm doing this. Are you on board or not is like kind of how it ended up working out is for the time period not shocking but like in terms of how we view hillary and view their relationship today kind of shocking if you are a smart ambitious woman don't get married that's what all (laughs) that's what the that's what the data shows it's not to your advantage it's just not to your advantage it's not that's what the cyg data shows listen I commission a 538 analysis. I know, man. It's like, look at Judge Janine Pirro, that crazy Republican lady, but like she couldn't get ahead in life because of her husband. That's crazy. My point of view is that heterosexuality is inherently a gamble. Like everything could get all fucked up. Like at any point, (laughs) if you are entangling yourself with men a bunch and you're a woman. So like, I don't know. I mean, yes, but listen, we've all read Rebecca Traster's book, All the Single Ladies. If you get married, you're complicit in this. I'm just saying. Oh my God. I was going to say the opposite. If you get married, doesn't mean you're going to be married forever. (laughs) So (laughs) I actually had a different takeaway from that book. Yeah. 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 Um, Also, if you get married, probably not going to be president. So (laughs) if you don't get married, that's what you say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like, yeah. And if you're an atheist, like you're going to need to check another box or two. So you definitely have to get married. I like, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait till we have our first like single lady president and everybody's like, what's up with her? <laughs> this is going to be amazing. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Um, no more America election talk. It's stressful. No more America period. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> listen, next Tuesday, that's a real possibility. Let's check the news from around We're like too America-centric these days. Let's see what's up for ladies everywhere. Oh my god, there's lots of interesting news for women all around the world. There's this article, which I think I had heard this anecdote somewhere before, but it's a little bit of a deeper exploration of the fact that in Japan... Apparently, it is a legal requirement when a couple marries that they have to have the same last name. And so you can imagine how for centuries that ended up going, which is like men's names, men's names, men's names, always. In theory, though, like it's legal to choose either party's name. Yeah, or you can make up a name or you Sure. Whatever. However, 96% of women still take their husband's name in Japan. And so it's this interesting article about like what happens when women who are like, no, no, you take mine. (laughs) Yeah. Or women who say like, I like my maiden name because I have good SEO under the same. (laughs) Or I want to keep my own individual identity. And it was so interesting to read this. Like, and obviously it's happening in Japan and how like there it is a legal requirement that everybody has to have the same name in a family. I like cannot believe how many women our age like change their last name and there there's always some like I don't like my name or I want to have the same name as my kids or whatever and I was like listen all of those reasons are like fine but you don't find it a little suspicious that it's only women who think that this is the way to do it you know like for me that's where all of this like loses steam I'm like I'm sorry like this this is garbage yeah well and it's also this thing too where it's like I don't care like change your name to whatever you want. I support you calling yourself whatever you want to be called for whatever reason, but like, just don't deny the roots of why what's informing this choice. Can I you know say what I mean? though, I really think that if you, hmm, this might get me in trouble, but it is a thing that I believe. We know and love a lot of women who are legally married and have changed their no, names. Of just course. Saying. Yeah. Because that's what, <laughs> that's literally what everybody does, but this is what I sure. will say. One of the strong ways and also one of the few ways that you can show that you are serious about being a feminist is by keeping your name. It's so important and it seems like it's a small thing. It's another one of those things where people are like, well, I should be free to choose whatever. And I'm like, this is true in the same way that I wear makeup or I participate in the beauty industry and I like blah, blah, blah. Like we have all of these choices that we can make. But again, it's like reminder (laughs) that this is a strong way to signal that you want to change and that you are not down for this kind of like heteronormativity that we have. And it really makes me sad that not enough people choose this. I have been frequently surprised by which women in my life have um, chosen to change their name to that of their husband. I've, I have been very surprised no, on multiple occasions. I've actually yeah. been surprised. Some of my most conservative friends have kept their names. It's really interesting how it falls along the like career ladder. Women that I think are doing really well at work, like a lot of them, have not changed their names. The thing that annoys me in this whole scenario, though, 
is when I'm like, you can change your name if you want, but when they change their email to match their new name, I like lose it. Okay, but I mean, that's totally reasonable. You want it all to line up. Like it doesn't, I don't know. Do, like it listen, makes total sense that you're going to change your email. Like Starbucks 44. Like who cares? It's like the email. Okay, what are, are you about. still using AOL? No, listen, <laughs> this is this is the hill that I'm going to die on. Nothing makes me more wow. annoyed than when somebody like changes their email to match up with their married name. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is Gmail. It's not America Express. Like, I don't need to know. Like, you can, you don't have to do this. I feel like metaphorically what's happening right now is I have wrapped you in a bear hug and I'm physically trying to prevent you from going up to the hill to die on it. Uh, like, for this what? issue. It's true. It's true. It's like, I mean, like, 70% of what I'm saying. But it just, like, it makes me sad. It just makes me very sad. I was like, this is, it's 2016. Like, your name is important if you're a woman, but also like, what does it say when like very progressive women, like all say that this is a thing that they want to do. It's just, it's like patriarchy 101. Keep your name. This article about Japan also contains the aside that in the United States, only one in five women keeps her surname when she marries. That's ugh, it's crazy. shockingly few. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm also down for hyphens. Like I want to be clear. I'm like down for hyphens. Basically all I want is for your spouse to jump through the same hoops that you have to. I was like, I'm right. sorry. Come up with a new name if you want. Because it's like annoying. You know, like at the baseline, it's just like a lot of paperwork you have to do. And I was like, why yeah. should you be the one to have to do it? No, totally. I mean, listen, for better or worse, I'm keeping this name for life. And <laughs> to like, don't have to talk me into it. It's one of those things, though. Like, there's a lot of choices that other women make that I'm like, I will never understand this, like, ever. So, <laughs> I mean. I was just going to say, I love the woman in here, the 28-year-old, who's like, my name is my brand. <laughs> she's so forceful about it. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I don't want to waste the trust and good reputation that I've built in my career. I was like, you're right. Good for you, lady. It's true. It does. And in some ways, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I have been confused before when people I correspond with for purely professional reasons change their name. And I'm like, new phone, who this? Like, who, who is, <laughs> I who is that emailing me? that people email you because they think that you're the wife of Thomas Friedman. <laughs> oh, my Famous God. You know that has happened, right? <laughs> Former coworker of mine who will not be named came into my office once years ago and was like you never told me you were married to thomas friedman and i was like wow and it's wow. the best rumor i spread about you everywhere I go. oh my god oh my god yeah it's like i spend a lot of time in the back of taxi cabs like <laughs> chatting about economics <laughs> i'm super into mustaches you're like countries with mcdonald's don't go to war <laughs> oh my god i can't i can't even i died though when like when my coworker said that i died oh my god um, that's so perfect What else is happening around the world? Iceland. Icelandic ladies got it together. They always oh. got it together in the Nordic countries, apparently. Tell me more. <laughs> so women across Iceland are leaving their workplaces every day at 2.38. To, it's to highlight the gender wage gap in their country. They're leaving work 14% of the time, like faster than they would have to. And then they're protesting in this, like, in this town square every day at 3.15. It's genius. 
I mean, and here is what is like so shocking about this. As you mentioned, like Scandinavian countries have a lot of things together on like at least the gender stats front. And like around the same time this article came out about the protests in Iceland, there's this Guardian article. The headline is why Iceland is the best place in the world to be a woman. And it's like, and they still got to walk out every day and protest. I know. You know, it's, in Iceland, the wage gap is 14%. In the EU on average, it's 16.6%. Compared to America, <laughs> it is smaller, but it's still like just to fucking pay us what we're worth. Oh my God. And even these like European stats, I would love to see them like broken down by race because in the United States, it's like definitely true that like black women get paid less than white women and Latina women get paid even less and native women get paid even less than that. So it is really, really dispiriting. Oh, completely. And it's like in Iceland, for example, I'm like, okay, so they are like getting it together. First of all, it's a small country. I get it. But like to do sort of a a widespread protest, like that is like one of the things that's most notable to me. It's not like how big is your gap or how small is your gap, but it's like the fact that all of these women there are like, no, no, this is a problem. And then when I read this other article about why Iceland is such a great place for women, there was this quote from a woman who teaches essentially like an empowerment air quote class to three-year-olds in Iceland. And she says, quote, we are training our girls to use their voice. We are training them in physical strength. We are training them in courage. And then I'm like, no wonder these adult women are walking out. Uh, (laughs) Like they've been trained in courage and using their voice and physical strength. It's like pretty awesome. Totally. So amazing. Oh my God. I never told you about the crazy dream that I had. (laughs) because it was so crazy please tell me it was about iceland and um, equality no it was not about iceland but it was definitely about equality so we wake up in a world where i don't know who is president at this point but it's like definitely in the future and congress is refusing to put forward like any of the president's picks for the supreme court so merrick garland is still like chilling and no job and are you sure you aren't a psychic and this isn't like no, I mean, January like, no, 2017? Like, this is the like anxiety that I have, right? But like you and me run into him at a Panera. <laughs> Wait, we ran into Merrick Garland at Panera? So we run into Merrick Garland at Panera and we're like, yo, why aren't you working? And he goes, because they won't let me work. <laughs> and we start this like countrywide protest. And I can't believe I haven't told you this. It was so embarrassing. I cannot believe you dreamt about both Panera and Merrick Garland. It was so good. And like the reason that I remember it is because uh, we held that. What's the loudspeaker things that like people always yell into? A bullhorn. A bullhorn. Thank you. They didn't cover that word in ESL. And (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had bullhorns. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, that would make for a really cool tattoo. And then I like forgot about it. Oh my God. I I also had a dream about you in the past week that I believe I did text you about where we were lost trying to get somewhere in New York. It was a pretty boring dream, honestly, compared to Merrick Garland. Wait, you didn't tell me this dream. It was like a Muppets take Manhattan style (laughs) caper where you and I had somewhere to be like in Manhattan. And it was like, we couldn't get it together. Stuff that was our fault and other people's faults. And then like getting lost, you know, cars getting flat tires and then us not knowing where we were. I mean, yeah, it was like it was never resolved. Wow, <laughs> we never hy- made hyper it. Hyper realistic. Uh, another. One I know it was also very realistic. <laughs> another anxiety dream. What's up? Maybe maybe those are both like January 2017 dreams. Totally. Maybe that's just what Mer- our lives are going to be. Merrick Garland, if they don't let you go to work in January, call us. <laughs> <laughs> we might have trouble finding you if you're in New York, but call us. Oh my god! Yeah, call us. We like we'll fix it. <laughs> 
god. Now that I know what a bullhorn is, we'll fix Yes, exactly. Just screaming, Merrick Garland, where are you? Come out. <laughs> Merrick Garland is such a baller name. Like, great name. I know, right? I mean, so, hmm, this is really putting it to the test. Like, would you change your last name, Amina Garland? No, are you kidding? <laughs> Amina Tussauds is a popular podcaster. I, I know, I know. my name. I'm just winding you up. I'm uh, like, you know. Listen, Merrick So, though, on the other hand, you should Merrick So it. is a good name. Listen. listen. Merrick Garland So is a really good yeah, name, no. too. Mr. Aminatu So, future Mr. Aminatu So, he's, like, going to have it so easy. I've, like, built a reputation on this name. Just going to swoop is one in. Of- it's one of my favorite things to refer to my friends' husbands who did not take their wives' names by their wife's last name. So, like, actually calling Merrick Mr. So would be something that oh I would my love God. to do. It's the best thing. I, I like, I actually love doing that because it like makes them a little uncomfortable, but then they get used to it. It's true. And it's like, that's just what I call you now. Shout out, <laughs> Phil and Aisha. <laughs> 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 uh, um, I'm such not a that we're naming names. Yeah, you're the I'm worst. Such a problem. Did you read this news, Anne, about all of the men pulling out of the birth control study? <laughs> oh, my God. I read that wonderfully worded headline about men pulling out of the birth control study. I did indeed. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> welcome to progestin. <laughs> so wait, I mean, why are men pulling out of the study? Okay. So here's what's going on. Um, I'm literally pulling up an article from BuzzFeed.com. Mm-hmm. So apparently somewhere, I want to say it's in America, they're like doing the study on the impact of this new hormonal birth control shot for men. <laughs> That's like, it's been found to be like fairly effective at preventing pregnancy. Male contraceptive, kind of cool, right? Here's what happened in <laughs> the trial. I'm just going to read it. An injection of progestin and synthetic form of testosterone stopped pregnancy in 96% of female partners. The four-year worldwide study of 320 men in monogamous heterosexual relationships found. Almost 75% of the male participant reported being willing to use this method of contraception at the conclusion of the study. But an independent committee stopped the trial for safety reasons after participants reported 1,400 adverse effects. Percentages as follows. 46% developed acne, 32% had mood disorders, and 23% had pain at the injection site. 20 participants dropped out of the study due to side effects. Six men left due to changes in mood. Six for acne, pain, or panic at first injections, palpitations, hypertension, or erectile dysfunction, and eight for more than one symptoms. Researchers said that nearly 39% of the symptoms reported were unrelated to the shots. This is I'm the little lolio, <laughs> but I'm just like, this is literally what we go through. <laughs> I know. I I also laughed so hard, actually, at the uh, panic at first injections, like knowing many, many women with IUDs who have gone through something that I will guarantee you is way, way more difficult than like getting an injection. I'm just like, oh, my God. 
I also love how the independent committee stopped the trial. Like, it's not like, you know, like, like men. Yeah. Like some of these men left, but like an independent committee is like, yeah, you're right. These are probably too intense of side effects to make men put up with. And they are as every single woman who has ever taken hormonal contraception, who's listening to this knows like, 100 percent normal right and it's like i like obviously laughed a lot right and then i went through the like oh god this is so depressing are you telling me that if women had just like protested more they would have fixed it and the answer is like clearly no the fear of being pregnant like supersedes all of this (laughs) totally (laughs) totally it's just you know it's like one of those things where like your body betrays you because you're the one that's gonna be responsible for it at the end i know the the tyranny of biology it was so crazy but at the same time it was like come on man i think it's like one in two women who take hormonal birth control like definitely experience side effects here is the thing I was thinking about. So when you click through on the study, there are many women who are part, uh, who are at least authoring the study. So I have to imagine that like there are women who are like listening to men list these symptoms, right? Like who are part, who are the researchers? And I'm like, how did these women keep a straight face when men were like, <laughs> I'm leaving? When six men came to them and were like, I'm leaving due to the acne and like the whole list of things that you read. It's like, like how do they keep a straight face and just say like, uh-huh, yeah, and how, how did that make you feel? They probably you laughed okay? so hard they cried. It's just like depressing <sighs> all around. But I'm also I mean, like, science, can you just fix the birth control problem? We've been doing this for too long. Fix it. Although, listen to this. There's a line in this article as well that says, the committee said, quote, reports of mood changes, depression, pain, and increased libido were of most concern. <laughs> I was just like, what? Okay, maybe bodies are different. I was like, okay, that is the one thing. I was like, I would I would love, maybe I should do some journalism and call the women who are on this committee and be yes. like, what? Give me the blow by blow. Give me the narrative of like what happened. Because it's actually a pretty big study. That's the other thing. I mean, a lot of experimental male contraception is not does not even make it to this stage. So I was normally, you know, when you see articles about why we don't have male contraception, it says something to the effect of like, oh, we just assumed we couldn't get men to participate or like we thought men wouldn't want it. <laughs> it's not like we, we actually studied this in you know, a sample of 320 men. And this is what we found. And so like, this feels different to me. I mean, still depressing in terms of long term prospects for sharing the contraceptive burden, but kind of exciting. (laughs) Weirdly. Yeah, you're right. It's just uh, everything is depressing right now. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind, too, and have we talked about this before? The like, like the history of the birth control pill that women take and essentially how early test groups. Oh, yeah. With um, the priests. We talked about this. Totally. Totally. And so it's like, yeah, like early test groups of women did report these same things. It's just like the the study didn't stop. And you're right. Like, ultimately, it's because we need to be unshackled from the burden of pregnancy. (laughs) Like, I mean, all all for the greater good, I guess. But yeah, like no one was like, hold up. No, it's so depressing. Also, remember, I think very early on this podcast, there was this like fantastic op-ed in the New York Times from a woman who like was a biologist or studies biology or like something. And she basically had this like (laughs) really intense point that like maybe all of the PMS that you go through your period and all of that, like that's your real self. It's oh yeah, like, that's just like you reacting yeah, how you should it's react. Like, this is how you should 
be reacting and it's like i think about that all of the time and i'm just like my god what if we just gave into it what we'd if we- all be walking out like those icelandic ladies <laughs> <laughs> listen i'm ready to walk out for equal pay i'm ready to get merrick garland his job <laughs> <laughs> and a panini at panera <laughs> totally show up in congress and be like which one of these fools said you couldn't go to work today <laughs> just like do it but i like yep. yeah no we are fed up we are fed up Ryan Little. <laughs> this election is about more than just the presidential race, too, so that's important to remember. Oh my God, I know. We are also looking down the ballot and very concerned about slash interested in women who, women and friends of women who are running for Congress and at the state level. And so I called a very knowledgeable person about this, Deirdre Schiefling, who's the executive director of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, and asked her some questions about what is happening below the presidential race. Hi, Deirdre. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy to be with you. I wanted to ask you first, just um, to clarify for our listeners who don't know, if you could briefly describe the difference between Planned Parenthood Medical Services, also known as the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, and the Action Fund, which is the branch that you work for. Yes, I'd be happy to. So the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, which is a network of affiliates that have health centers, provides basic reproductive health care, including birth control, cancer screenings, and abortion all around the country, as well as sex ed and other services in the community. The Planned Parenthood Action Fund is the advocacy and political arm of Planned Parenthood. So we advocate for laws and against legislation. We also support candidates and campaign for candidates. So this is a pretty important time for you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a critical Um, moment. Yeah. So one reason we really wanted to talk to you is that obviously, we like everyone else are obsessed with what's happening in the presidential race. But we want to talk about some of the other seats that are in play. And, you know, we've heard, for example, that having a woman um, on the presidential ticket is likely to bring out more women voters and boost women candidates in lower ballot races, too. And so what races are you focused on? What are you looking at? and maybe what's at stake below the presidential level right now? So one of our top focuses is the Senate races that are in critical swing states. So we are both focused on the presidential at the top of the ticket, but also very focused on winning, helping helping the amazing candidates that we have running this cycle for Senate in some of these key states. So states like New Hampshire, North Carolina, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Those are some of our top priorities. And we are lucky to have some amazing female candidates running in all of those states. Maybe you can talk a little bit about specifically in those states. Obviously, we want more pro-choice women in Congress, full stop. But is there something particular in terms of the stakes involved in like those races or why why you're so focused? So this is an opportunity this year to flip the Senate. We need to win five seats to flip the Senate. And that would be really a sea change in the type of environment that we're facing in Congress. In all of these races, these strong pro-women's health candidates are facing incumbents 
who have voted repeatedly to defund Planned Parenthood, who are on the record um, as opposing safe and legal abortion, and who have not disavowed or distanced themselves from Donald Trump and his rhetoric uh, around women, his rhetoric around access to reproductive health care. So it's really the contrast really couldn't be clearer in these races. Yeah. And so so I sort of think of it as like every time I do a facepalm because I hear about another like stupid defund Planned Parenthood bill, it's like right now races like this and like these states in particular that can make that less of an issue, hopefully in the next Congress. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, these are folks who are even against equal pay, you know, so just give you it's shocking. It's shocking in this day and age that this is who's representing us in the U.S. Senate. Oh, God, I my makes my skin crawl. So let's talk about like a little bit lower down than Congress looking more at the state level. I mean, I think that we uh, many of us have heard the statistics about how many anti-choice regulations um, and restrictions have passed at the state level, um, even contraception restrictions in recent years. And like, you know, Texas is a state where we've talked about this or heard about it a lot. But um, maybe you can kind of give a little overview of some states where local battles related to choice are really playing out. And what are what are you guys watching? Yeah, this this. So yeah, that's a great question. And as you know, and as your listeners may know, since losing the elections in 2010, which was really a decimation for elected officials who support women's access to reproductive health care, we have faced an avalanche of restrictions at the state level. And more than 350 of those restrictions have been passed into law at the state level. And so this is had this is real life for women in many states across the country and has real impact on women's ability to access safe and legal abortion and even birth control. And so what we're seeing is in some of these states that have just faced restriction after restriction, like North Carolina, or who have had battles over defunding Planned Parenthood, like New Hampshire, these are hot issues. These are top issues in in down-ballot elections. And we're supporting candidates who support women's access to reproductive health care in those states down ballot. The other dynamic at play is redistricting. You know, in 2020, we have the opportunity to draw districts that are actually representative of the voters in our country, which the current incredibly gerrymandered districts are not. And who controls governor's seats as well as state legislative bodies really determines how those districts get drawn, unfortunately. And so those down-ballot races really couldn't be more important at this moment. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that's sort of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that um, is the sort of thing that determines, like, actually what happens then again up in Congress, like, after those 2020 elections, correct? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so speaking of Congress again, let's say our dream world happens, all of these incredible pro-choice women candidates win, the Senate goes Democratic, oh my god, it's dream dream zone. Do you think that we'll see maybe more forceful defenses of abortion rights specifically? Because I know we get frustrated sometimes that, I mean, the rhetoric is more about women's health or things that are a little bit more euphemistic, which obviously we love women's health, we support it. But um, sometimes I'm just like, you know, really, what are we talking about here? We're talking about abortion, and I want someone to defend it, like that actual like right. So I'm curious about whether you think 
the, the sort of the tone of the conversation is going to shift as well. Yes. Or could. Yes, I think it could. I mean, I think we have at the top of the ticket, Hillary Clinton, who has been the most aggressive and clear on her support of women's ability to access safe and legal abortion in this country and of her support of women's ability to make their own decisions about this um, than any candidate in modern history. Oh my God, I died at her third debate answer to this question. I was like, I was overcome kind of actually. Yes, yes. And interestingly, in the in the um, real-time focus groups that were happening that CNN was running on undecided voters, that was her high mark for the whole debate. So I think women voters and just voters in general really responded to her passion, her clarity, her strength in supporting women's access to abortion. And, you know, I think there is no better way to get us out of this cycle of endlessly relitigating this issue than winning elections decisively on it. That is the best way to get us out of having to have this fight every two years. So I am hopeful that we will win decisively this year and that we will see candidates take strong positions on it because it's a winning electoral issue. We've seen that um, over and over again, and many candidates are already campaigning on it in this kind of strong way led by the example of Hillary Clinton. Okay, so let's talk about winning. At the point at which people are listening to this podcast, it's it's Friday, and the election is just a few days away. A lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are not in some of those key states like New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Nevada, North Carolina. So what about the rest of us who aren't there? And you know, what, what can we do in these last few days? Is there anything that we can do? Yes, there's always something to do. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I would encourage first to make a plan to vote because that is critical and get your friends and family to make a plan to vote no matter what state you're in. And we have an awesome tool to do just that at www.plannedparenthoodaction.org. So you can go there, you can make your plan to vote, you can share it on Facebook. And then I would encourage you to either go to a swing state and knock on doors because that is the number one most effective way to communicate with voters Or if you can't physically go to a swing state, call into a swing state and talk to voters, which is the second most effective way to talk to communicate with voters. And you can do that from anywhere. Um, And one way to do that, even from your own living room, is going to um, HillaryClinton.com and looking for the volunteer call page. And you can just get connected to swing voters right online and use your cell phone to make those really important calls. And those calls make a difference. Those are the two things I would um, advocate that you do right away. <laughs> yeah, like take an hour out of your weekend and make some phone calls. That's like, I think, a good, a good bar to set. Yes. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm, 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 I'm all about. Like, okay, what is a manageable goal? And then maybe you'll just get so into it that you want to keep making calls. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I guess the thing I would close with is that access to safe and legal abortion is on the ballot this, this presidential year, like never before. The stakes really couldn't be higher. If we lose this election, Donald Trump has pledged to appoint Supreme Court justices who will overturn Roe versus Wade. And and that's it. It's really important that we do everything that we can to ensure that that Hillary Clinton wins. Yes. Awesome. Well, we're doing our best over here. We know you're doing your best. Thanks so much for all your hard work and for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
So, yeah, I guess there's a lot at stake for 2016 and 2020 and the rest of our lives. So don't waste your vote. Oh, my God. Don't waste your vote. And like Deirdre says, it's like this is a very important choice election, not just like presidential election. So do it. Man, it's almost like citizenship is like an important responsibility. <laughs> almost. Almost like almost, that. <laughs> almost. Oh awesome. Oh, my God. Do your, do your Googles. Vote for good people. <laughs> Especially if you live in any of the states that she mentioned. We're going to be okay. We're going to be just fine. I mean, at least until Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday. Like, can't tell you what's going to happen. <gasps> Can I tell you, Anne, my election day pantsuit got here today. <gasps> oh, my God. Please describe it. Oh, my God. Head to toe florals. You know, I already have mm. one floral suit. I can't believe this is baby's second floral suit. Yes, this is baby's second floral suit. I was debating wearing my, um, I have a linen pink suit that looks a lot like this picture of hills that I love. But I just, I wanted like a power floral. I'm like, this also, is where pink, I'm going. Pink linen is a little off season. Like, I definitely feel the power floral. That's, no, that's literally where it was at. I was like, I want like a fall floral situation, head to toe. I'm so excited about it because so many women will be wearing pantsuits on Tuesday. It's going to be the best. I mean, amazing. I'm wearing a very structured blazer because I don't own a pantsuit, but I am, I am there in spirit. Oh my God. We're going to find you a pantsuit. This is a good. I know. 2017 goal. goals. Yeah. You know, <laughs> put it on the you know board. It. Put it on the board. Putting it on Easy the board. Easy wins. Easy wins. Well, save it for the 2017 visioning episode, custom made power suit. That's right. If you wear a power suit to the polls, please tag us on instagram or on twitter we want to see it it's gonna be amazing. oh my god i want to see all of your suits yes show cyg what you're wearing probably gonna cry all day tuesday gonna be a mess so it's gonna be great and it's totally warranted to be a hot mess on tuesday i feel that's right we are about to oh. shatter glass ceiling it's hard work oh my god i'm gonna go to bed you should have dinner see you on the internet boo boo i'm gonna do the sign off okay see you on the internet you can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, look up that link for yourself, or on Instagram at callyrgf. Please don't send us Instagram messages. We don't look at them. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delbeck. <laughs> <laughs>